this episode of The Story of the Six, we focus on the Dasam Granth, which is associated with Guru Gobind Singh. This episode briefly introduces the various components of the Dasam Granth, and also addresses the controversy that has developed around its authorship. I'm co-producer Erica Wong. Before we begin the episode, we have a favor to ask of you. If you find this work compelling, please be sure to rate it and write a short review. That will definitely help us get the podcast to a wider audience. Chakra chin ar barna jat ar paat nahin jai Roop rang ar rekh bhek ko kehna sakat ke Achil murat anbhav prakas amatoj kehit jai Kot indra indraan shah shahaan ganit jai Tribhavan maheep sur nar asur net net ban trin kehat Tvay sarvanam kathe kavan karam naam barnat sumat Bereft of form and symbols too, of caste or class or lineage, none. Your form or hue or garb or shape, unbeknownst to everyone. Eternal, constant, self-illumed, immense your power all can see. God you are of the mighty gods, king of kings you're known to be. Lord of the realms, mortals and fiends, your glory verdant woods proclaim, though none can utter all your names, your wondrous deeds the seers declaim. These are the opening lines of the Jab Saib, the first composition of the Dasam Granth, the scripture that is associated with Guru Gobind Singh. The Rathnama of Pai Nandalal, which lays down the Rath or code of conduct for six as prescribed by the Guru, begins with the following words. Gur Sikh Rath suno mere meet, Utta Prabhat kare hit cheat, Vahe Guru pun mantra jap, Kar isanan pade jap jap. This is a clear indication that the recitation of both the Jap of Guru Nanak and the Jap of Guru Gobind Singh are essential to the daily spiritual practice of a Sikh. Professor Saib Singh Ji, one of the great Sikh scholars of modern times, sees the Japji Saib and the Jab Saib as the yin and yang of a Sikh spiritual practice. The Japji Saib, according to him, is evocative of Jamal, the gentle, tender beauty of the moon, which emphasizes the pure virtues of love, contentment, compassion, and renunciation. The Jab Sab, in contrast, evokes Jalal, the glory and power of the sun, which energizes the Sikh and inspires him to stay on the path of truth. Both compositions, written in the praise of the divine, complement each other most beautifully and effectively. According to Max Arthur McAuliffe, writer of the Sikh religion, its gurus, sacred writings, and authors, the Hindus have a work entitled Vishnu Sahasarnam, Vishnu's Thousand Names. The Jap was composed to supply the Sikh with a similar number of epithets for the Creator. This interpretation would suggest that there is no central unifying theme that runs through the Jaf Saib. Danielle Gill and Harjit Singh Gill 
In the introduction of their translation of the Japsai put forth a similar argument. According to them, the Japsai is an attempt to describe the indescribable, reach the unreachable, to comprehend the incomprehensible. It is an attempt at painting pure forms, the forms that cannot have any empirical existence. It is a cosmology of conceptual forms which only give illusions of analogous familiar forms of the world with no correspondence to their physical realization. They go on to say, the cycle of rhythmic notes creates its specific universe of resonance. These musical orchestrations carry their own significance, which emerges only in specific combinations, which may have no purpose other than to increase the density of resonance, a resonance already crystallized in pure epithets. Professor Saevji, in contrast, disagrees with this thesis and puts forth the argument that the 22 sections or chans of the Japsab have a collective meaning and theme. I think this question is best left to be settled by every individual who reads and recites the Japsab. I will just share my personal perspective as a practitioner of Nithname, the daily Sikh regimen of prayer. The poetry of the Jab, energizing and mesmerizing, truly defies description. It can seem difficult and inaccessible at first because of the fact that it incorporates several languages such as Braj, Sanskrit, Persian, and Arabic. The repetition of difficult words and phrases, often from unfamiliar languages, does pose significant challenges. There's a learning curve and it takes time to get familiar with the job. However, at some point, a breakthrough occurs, and the poetry of the composition starts flowing, unlocking power and energy that can only be experienced. second section of the Dasam Granth is the Akalustat, which represents Guru Gobind Singh's conception of the divine and is arguably one of his most significant works. Popular tradition suggests that the Japsab was written at Anandpur in 1684 when the Guru was all of 18. The Akalustat is said to have been composed at Anandpur as well. At this point, it would be appropriate to note that there is disagreement within the Sikh Panth about the authorship of the Dasam Granth. We will address this later during the episode. The Jap and the Akalustat are universally accepted as being authored by Guru Gobind Singh. There are several aspects of the Akalustat that I find very appealing personally. One of them is the clear reiteration of the egalitarian principles of Guru Nanak, the following Shabad is a perfect example. 
देह राम सीत सोई पूजा ओ निवास ओई मानस सब एक पे अनेक को भ्रमाव है देवता अदेव जक्ष गंधर्व तुर्क हिंदू न्यारे न्यारे देशन के भेष को प्रभाव है एक नैन एक कान एक देह एक बान थाक बाद आत्मो आब को रलाव है अल्लाह भेख सोई पुराण ओ कुराण ओई एक ही स्वरूप सब एक ही बनाव है मास्क एंड टेम्पल आरबट वन इन वर्शिप डिफरेंस नन ऑफ अ खाइंड आर ह्यूमन्स ऑल बाई डिविजन्स फॉल्स अनडन गॉड्स एंड डीमन्स बींग्स डिवाइन हिंदूज एंड टर्क्स ऑफ मेनी अ लैंड रोब्स दे वेयर ऑफ मेनी खाइंड दे सीम टू फॉर्म अ मॉटली बैंड इयर्स एंड आईज दे आर अ लाइक देर बॉडीज एंड देर मैनर टू ऑफ वाटर फायर अर्थ एंड एयर ईच एंड एवरी वन अ ब्रू अल्लाह अभेख दे आर बट वन एज आर दोम्स ऑफ ईच फेथ ग्रेट all in the image of his form the one divine he did create the following excerpt again underscores the unity of mankind all of which according to the guru worships the divine in its own way this is again very much in keeping with guru nanak's philosophy and rejects the notion of a quote chosen people फरासी फरंगी फरासीस के दुरंगी मकरान के मृदंगी तेरे गीत गायत है भखरी गंधारी गोर गखरी गदेजाचारी पौन के हारी तेरो नाम ध्यायत है पूर्व पलाऊ काम रूप ओ कमाऊ सर्व ठोर में विराजे जहां जहां जायत है पूर्ण प्रतापी जंत्र मंत्र ते अथापी नाथ कीर्त तिहारी को न पार पायत है Persians, Frenchmen, Franks, bi-colored, Makrani drummers, your glory sing. Bhakkar Kandar, Gakkar Hijaz, fasting sages to your name cling. Eastern lands, Palau, Assam, everywhere your glories ring. Your glory is by no means bound. Your praise a vast unlimited thing. नमस्कार श्री खड़ग को करो मैं हित चित लाए पूर्ण करो ग्रंथ ए तुमो करो सहाय द ग्लोरियस सोर्ड टू आई सल्यूट विथ माई हार्ट एंड विथ माई माइंड मे दिस बुक बी फिनिश्ड थ्रू योर ग्रेस मोस्ट खाइंड दीज आर द ओपनिंग लाइन्स ऑफ द बचित्र नाटक ग्रंथ विच इज एन अनाउंसिएशन ऑफ गुरु गोविंद सिंह पर्सनल फेथ एंड फिलासफी In his work, The History and Compilation of the Dasam Granth, Dr. Trilochan Singh writes, The opening lines state in the most vigorous and clear words Guru Gobind Singh's conception of God 
as the sword of dharma. Not only the sword, but every weapon becomes the attributive symbol of God, and then he sings the glory of the sword of dharma and explains it in one remarkable verse, which Dr. Gokul Chandanarang calls the finest verse in world literature. Almighty sword, your fearsome smite, the evil hordes you decimate, glory of the battlefield, wondrous your valor great, mighty arm and sword are one, dazzling your luster bright, incandescently you shine, overwhelm the sun's own light, to the holy you bring peace, to the evil strife and pain, faults and sin you do erase, in your shelter I remain, Glory to the primal cause, the universe you liberate, everything I owe to you. Praise be to your glory great. The first part of the Pachitra Natak Granth is the Apani Katha or autobiography of Guru Gobind Singh. It starts with the praise of the divine and then covers the genealogy of his family from ancient times. It also covers his divine mission and his motivation. To this world by the Lord I am sent, for a purpose I am meant. Speak I just words of the Lord, ill will none with all accord. Those who dare deem me divine, pits of hell are destiny thine. Of his servants I am one, though in us be difference none. The primal one his slave sent he, the pageant of this world to see. None but his own words I speak in this world, deathly and bleak. Subsequent sections define his wars with the hill rajas, the Hindu kings of the kingdoms that surrounded Anandpur, some of this material we have already encountered in episode 6 of season 2.
प्रथम भगौती सिमर के गुरु नानक लई तिहाय फिर अंगद गुरते अमरदास रामदास होई सहाय अर्जुन हर गोविंद नु सिमरो श्री हर राय श्री हर कृष्ण तिहाईए जिस डिठे सब दुख जाए तेग बहादुर सिमरिए कर नौ निद आवे ताए सब थाई होई सहाय एवरी सिख इज इंटीमेटली फैमिलियर विद दिस पॉडी और वर्स for it has been incorporated into the ardas or the communal prayer of the Sikh faith, which is recited at every religious gathering without exception. It comes from the Var Sri Pagati Jiki, or the Ballad of Pagati, which is one of three compositions in the Dasam Granth that describe the triumph of the Hindu goddess Chandi or Durga over various evil demons in fierce battles that lasted nine nights. According to Dr. Trilochan Singh, the Chandi Charitra Ukta Bilas, the Chandi Charitra and the Var Sri Pagati Jiki are derived from Hindu mythological texts, the Padma Puran, the Makarandaya Puran and the Devi Bhagwat. The first two are in Braj and the Sri Pagati Ki Var is in Punjabi. The Chandi Charitra Uktabilas is a translation of the 700 verses of the Devi Mahatyam, also known as Saptasal, literally 700, a section of the Makaranda Puran. The meaning of the word Pagati has been the subject of much discussion over the years. There seems to be general agreement that the purpose of translating these epic tales from Sanskrit to Braj and Punjabi was to make the inspiring stories accessible to common people. However, the existence of these tales in the Dasam Granth has been used either to cast Guru Gobind Singh as a worshipper of the deity Durga or to angrily refute the possibility that he could ever be the author of these works given his unequivocal allegiance to the One Divine. Dr. Trilochan Singh offers a robust repost to both of these arguments. In his opinion, Pagati is unequivocally a reference to the sword of Dharma that the Guru invokes elsewhere as well and has nothing to do with the goddess Durga, one of whose names is Bhagavati. According to him, the words Bhagavati and Pagati both occur multiple times in the Makranda Puran the former always referring to the goddess and the latter always to the sword. He writes, Rishi Makrand gives over 108 names to Durga in his Makranda Puran, but Pagati is not one of them. Guru Gobind Singh gave many attributive names to God as the wielder of the sword of Dharma, and the sword became for him the righteous spirit of God in which was ingrained his deep-rooted faith in the ultimate victory of good over evil. Those names are Asdhuj, one who has the sword on his banner, Asketh, wielder of the sword, Aspan and Kharagpan, with sword in hand. Other words which occur, signifying God's sword spirit of Dharma, are Khag, Tegan, Sri As, Sarbalo or All Steel, Mahalo or Great Steel, and Pagati. Savaya. 
देह शिवा बर मोए अहे शुभ कर्मण ते कबहू न टरो न डरो अरसो जब जाए लरो निश्चय कर अपनी जीत करो अर सिखो अपने ही मन को एह लालच हो गुण तो उचरो जब आव की औद निधान बने अत हिरण में तब जूझ मरो गिव टू मी दिस बून माई लॉर्ड फ्रॉम राइचियसनेस मे आई नेवर टर्न Rid me of fear of every foe in battle may I victory earn may I train my mind to seek to forever speak your praise and when the time to leave is nigh as a fallen hero my life erase the final section of the chandi charitra ukta vilas is familiar to most six the first verse is often sung when six celebrate the birth anniversary of guru gobind singh and at commemorations of the creation of the khalsa it has practically become the anthem of the six the second verse is less well known and is rather relevant to the discussion at hand chand charitra kavitan mein barneo sabhi ras rudramai hai एक ते एक रसाल भयो नख थे सिख लो उपमा सुनई है कौतक हेत करी कव ने सत्य से की कथा ए पूरी भई है जय निमित पढ़े सुने है नरसो निश्चय कर ताह दई है टेल ऑफ गॉडस आई डिक्लेम विथ फ्यूरी इज दिस फोम ब्लेज ग्लोरियस इज एवरी वर्स novel are these words of praise the poet has a miracle wrought all 700 verses thrill chant and listen every hope in your heart she will fulfill this four line verse can be somewhat confusing the straightforward part is the clear acknowledgement that the chandi charitra ukta bilas is a translation of the saptasai or the devi mahatyam from the makarand puran the very last line suggests that the goddess will fulfill the desires of whoever recites the work or listens to its recitation so is guru gobind singh acknowledging the primacy of the goddess far from it we now turn to the dasam granth stik an exposition by the noted scholar gyanindran singh i offer a translation of his comments about the concluding verses of the chandi charitra ugata vilas the concluding section of the saptasai granth very elaborately explains the benefits or mahatam significance of chanting the verses in the chandi charitra The guru has translated this mahatam or significance very succinctly. Thus, the concluding lines are just an abbreviated translation of the original rather than an injunction to the six to seek the goddess Durga's favor. Dr. D.P. Ashta in his work The Poetry of the Dasam Granth writes, in the Chandi Charitra, the poet has shown his mastery of similes and epigrams he has not merely told the story of the goddess and her battles but has described in detail all the various incidents interleaving them with similes and metaphors and thus has given vivid and lively pictures of the field of battle each verse 
each line and each syllable breathes the fire of life into the dead, inspires the cowardly to love war, and injects new courage in the blood of both reciters and listeners. In the Chandi Charitra, Guru Gobind Singh has forged a new style, an inkling of which we find in the Bachitra Natak in his Invocation of the Sword. The rhythm of the verse, the use of alliteration and diction, all combine together to produce a music which is played in accompaniment to the twanging of arrow, the clashing of swords, the beating of drums, the blowing of conches, and the shouts of war cries. The verbal music, produced chiefly by alliteration and onomatopoeia, seems to reproduce the actual action which the verse sets out to echo, the galloping verse, the accented sounds, and the varying pauses reproduce the speed of action and the hurry of movement in actual fighting. It shows a mastery of technique and elaborate art. बाजत बसंत अर भैरो हिंडोल राग बाजत है ललिता के साथ हैतनासरी मालवा कल्याण अर माल कौस मारू राग बन में बजावे कान मंगल निवासरी सुरी अर असुरी औपनंगी जे हुती तहा धुन के सुनत पै ना रही सुद जासरी कहे ए दासरी सो ऐसी बाजे बांसरी सो मेरे जाने या सब राग कोने वासरी बसंत भैरव एन हिंडोल फ्रॉम द फ्लूट मेलोडीज अबाउंड ललिता धनासरी इन यूनिसन इज हर्ड देयर साउंड कल्याण मालवा मालकोस मारू इज फ्रॉम द फ्लूट हर्ड in the forest krishna plays in the heart such joy is stirred damsel demoness she snake enraptured each and every mind oh the sound of the wondrous flute memories dwell of every kind these lines are taken from the krishna avatar which is part of the chobis avatar or a rendering of the lives of the 24 incarnations of the hindu god vishnu In similar vein the Brahm avatar and the Rudra avatar recount the stories of the incarnations of Brahma and Shiva once again the purpose of rendering inspiring stories from Hindu mythology into braj is to make them accessible to the common people Dr Trilochan Singh writes the lives of the avatars are very brief but are completely detached from the mythological and cosmological complexities of the puranas from which they have been derived the descriptions of these avatars are in line with references to them in the guru granth sahib 
The existence of these works in no way implies that the Guru regarded the avatars as divine. This is borne out clearly by the following lines, in which he reiterates his allegiance to the One Divine. Ganesha's primal I do not see, Krishna, Vishnu, not to me, though their tales my ears avow, only to the one I bow. The timeless one, my only stave, mighty steel, I am your slave. Know me as your own and save, the honor of your arm I crave. Dr. D.P. Ashta reinforces this notion. The Chavisavta reveals that Guru Gobind Singh was deeply impressed by the idea which runs throughout Puranic literature, the idea of a savior appearing from time to time to uphold righteousness, to uproot evil, and to rescue the weak and innocent. However, a critical study of the composition would disclose that the Guru did not accept in toto the Puranic conception of an avatar, Having been imbued with a firm faith in the oneness of God, Ik Onkar, he could not reconcile with the descent of God himself in the form of an avatar. The Guru vehemently objects to the idea of an avatar being an independent divinity, co-equal with God and worthy of human worship. He maintains that God is infinite, and even the 24 avatars have not comprehended him. According to the Guru, they are not even intermediaries, as prayers are sent directly to God. They are just on a mission. The Shabad Hazare is a collection of ten hymns, nine of them set to specific rags. In these Shabads, Guru Gobind Singh clearly provides his views on yoga, asceticism, worldly attachment, and idolatry. In lieu of asceticism, he emphasizes a deep connection with God in a mentally detached state. Instead of yoga, he prescribes truthfulness, sincerity, restraint, and meditation on the divine. The most poignant of these compositions titled Mitra Pyare Nu Hal Muridanda Kena we will encounter in the last episode of season two. Aakhan meech kahe bak ki jim logan ek prapanch dikhayo nyat firyo sir baddak jyon dhyan bilok bidal lajayo 
लाग फिर धन आस जिते तित लोक गयो पर लोक गवायो श्री भगवंत भजयो न अरे जड़ धाम के काम कहां उरझायो आईज आर शट फेक फायसनेस नथिंग इज दिस बट डिसीट रेडी टू फाउंस अपॉन हिज प्रे टू शेम वुड पुट अ फीलाइन फ्लीट इन नेवर एंडिंग लस्ट फॉर वेल्थ present and hereafter spent of worship is the fool bereft on his futile schemes intent the 33 sevillas form a sophisticated poetic work which in dr dp ashta's words reveals great technical mastery patient craftsmanship and elaborate versification the very first verse is an elegant definition of the khalsa which we will encounter in the next episode the initial verses describe the attributes of the divine and the next several debunk the divinity of ram krishna brahma and vishnu emphasizing their mortality the remaining verses emphasize the futility of vedic chants and pilgrimages and expose the hypocrisy of yogis ascetics masands and others who purport to be intermediaries between the human and the divine the work cautions against excessive attachment to worldly pursuits or friends and disciples for ultimately all such entanglements are ephemeral lag freyo tan aas There is a composition in the Dasam Granth that is known as the Jo Kich Lekh Likhyo Bidna Sevaya, also popularly known as the Khalsadi Mehma. Popular tradition suggests that these words were addressed by Guru Gobind Singh to Pandit Keshodas Dutt, a great Brahmin scholar who took exception to the Guru's honoring and rewarding his low caste Sikhs. rather than brahmans as ancient hindu tradition demanded judd jate inhi ke prasad inhi ke prasad so daan kare ag og tare inhi ke prasad inhi ki kripa phon dham bhare inhi ke prasad so vidya lai inhi ki kripa sab satr mare inhi ki kripa ke sajhe hum hai nahi mo so garib karor pare 
By their grace have I battles won, by their grace gifts I can give, by their grace warded misfortune, by their grace I with glory live, by their grace is learning learned, foes defeated by their grace, I am exalted by their grace, millions like me on this earth's face. To me, this is nothing but a succinct reiteration of Guru Nanak's embrace of the so-called low and his unequivocal commitment to equality and social justice. In a few elegant words, Guru Gobind Singh exalts his, quote, low caste Sikhs by acknowledging them as the source of his vitality, his glory, his wisdom, and his successes. In the words of Dr. Trilochan Singh, Here is the champion of the cause of the common people, whose humility and intense consciousness of the vitality of the common people was remarkable. No Marxist has ever sung such a song of the people that Guru Gobind Singh wrote 150 years before Marx was born and 60 years before the world had ever heard of Rousseau and Voltaire. Bhujang Prayat Chand, Tvai Prasad, Namo Nath Pure Sada Siddh Karmang, Achedi Abhedi Sada Ek Dharmang, Kalankang Binane Kalanki Sarupe, Achedang Abhedang Akhedang Anupe, Namo Log Lokeswarang Loknathe, Sadevang Sada Sarvasatang Anate, Namo Ek Rudang Anekang Sarupe, Sada Sarvasahang Sada Sarvabhupe. Salutations, perfect Lord, perfect is your every deed, indivisible, mysterious, never-changing is your creed, imperfection have you none, on your form no blemish none, indivisible and mysterious, free of sorrow, incomparable one, salutations, Lord of all, nurturer of all that lives, Eternal is your company, the one that to the orphan gives. Salutations to the one who does in many forms abound. Eternal master of us all, a king like you, not to be found. The Gyan Prabodh is a masterpiece of metaphysical poetry, which is unfortunately incomplete 
as not all of it was preserved at the time when the Dasam Granth was compiled, this work was also written at Anandpur according to popular tradition. The Gyan Prabodh consists of two parts, the first section, consisting of 125 verses, is a panegyric, which is in the manner of the Akal Ustat and pays homage to the divine. This section is from the beginning of the Gyan Prabodh. The second part consists of 211 four-line verses and focuses on practical philosophy, offered in the form of a dialogue between the soul and the divine. Padari Chand Prasad Din Ajab Ek Atma Ram Anbho Sarup Anhad Akam Anchidj Tej Ajan Ba Rajan Rajasa Han Sa Uchreo Atma Paramatma Sang Utbuj Sarup Abgat Abhang Ek Kohan Aha Atma Sarup Asks the Lord one day a curious soul, free of lust, innate, endless your role, eternal is your glory, strong armed one, king of kings before you, monarch, none. Earnestly then asks the Lord his ward, seed of life, obscure, eternal Lord, who is it, Lord, this answer I do seek? whose grandeur everlasting and unique. This is how the dialogue begins, with a question from the soul about the nature of the divine. Ya Brahma ah atma ram, jay amit tej abgat akam, jay bhed bharam nahi karm kaal, jay satra mitra sarvadayal, Dobeo na dube, sokeo na jaye, kateo na kate na bareo barae, chidjana nek sat sastrapat, jehe satra mitra nahijat pat. The soul itself, the Lord says, is divine, free of lust, innate, endless its shine, bereft of action, doubt of death beyond, nor friend nor foe of everyone its fond, never can it be immersed or drowned, never cut or burned it will be found, never can be with a weapon rent, no friend, no foe, no cast, no creed, no bent. After defining the nature of the ineffable, in response to a question from the soul, there is an elaboration of the philosophy of the world in the context of religion, which is broken down into four parts. Raj Dharma, which relates to politics. Dan Dharma, which relates to charity. Bhog Dharma, which relates to the life of a householder in society. And Moksha Dharma, which relates to salvation. The work draws upon the mythology of the Indian subcontinent, using the history of kings and empires to illustrate how this philosophy is to be lived. In the words of Dr. D.P. Ashta, From the nature of this composition, the Gyan Prabodh, as well as the outline as given by the poet after the introduction, it appears that this work has not come down to us in full or the poet could not complete it due to his preoccupations. The only available part of the work is the introduction and one of the four stages of the evolution of religion which the poet wanted to discuss. The available part alone 
is sufficient to rank it among the best metaphysical poetry in Hindi literature. साग सरोही सैफ अस तीर तुपक तरवार सत्रा तक कवचात कर करियो रच हमार अस कृपान धारा धरी सैफ सूल जमदाड़ कवचा तक शस्त्रात कर तेग तीर धरबाड़ अस कृपान खंडो खड़क तुपक तबर अर तीर सैफ सरोही सैथी यह हमारे पीर तीर तू ही सैथी तू ही तू ही तवर तरवार नाम तिहारो जो जपे भय सिंध भव पार काल तू ही काली तू ही तू ही तेग अर तीर तू ही निशानी जीत की आज तू ही जगबीर Spear, scimitar, arab sword, arrow, matchlock, blade, foe-destroying armor piercing for protection made, swords with edges that are keen, shaped like a demon's fang, armor piercing, foe-destroying, spear and sword do sharply spang, dagger, sword and cutlass, arrow, axe and gun, lance and dagger, scimitar, save them my master, none, you are the arrow and the spear, and axe and sword are you, those who chant your mighty name. name they will be saved it's true you are death and goddess fear arrow and sword you are symbol you are of victory hero greatest by far these are the opening lines of the shastranam mala which dr trilochan singh defines as a rosary of the names of weapons a brief digression about my translations that appear in this episode the poetry of the dasam granth is breathtaking and awe-inspiring it can be enjoyed truly only in the original with my translations i have tried to impart a sense of its magnificence to those who are unfamiliar with braj bhasha these are not literal word by word translations those can be found elsewhere my focus is much more on the spirit rather than the letter again from dr trilochan singh's brief treatment of the shastranam mala the shastranam mala appears to have more linguistic importance than anything else the introduction is as usual an invocation to the sword spirit of god the weapons have been idealized as instruments of mortal power to my limited understanding this composition does not appear to have any greater significance Yet I am surprised that the guru found time to devote as many as 1318 verses to it. Dr. D.P. Ashta presents a very robust rebuttal. The view that the guru devoted so much time to compose 1318 emblematic verses merely to show his linguistic excellence would perhaps be unjust to him. 
There is no doubt that he had a command over language, but a leader of his type, and particularly when he was engaged in the battle of life directed against political tyranny and social evils, could hardly afford to indulge in compositions of a purely linguistic nature. A close examination of the verses of the Shastranam Mala reveals also his varied conceptions of what may ordinarily appear to be the instruments of mere destruction. To the Guru, the arrow, the spear, and the sword, etc., were the means of worship of God as they were the main source of strength in a holy war, to bring home to his disciples, coming as they did from various religious creeds, that the war for which they had been militarized was holy, the Guru put these weapons in the mythological setup to secure their ready acceptance, fill their hearts with valor to defend their faith, incite them to acts of bravery, and inspire them with ardor for religious warfare. As much as I respect Dr. Trilochan Singh and his work, I find Dr. Ashta's analysis of the composition to be much more satisfying. The Zafarnama, or the Epistle of Victory, was a letter in Persian that Guru Gobind Singh wrote to the Emperor Aurangzeb. We will delve into it in the last episode of Season 2. The Triya Charitrapakhyan and the Hikayats are collections of short stories. They cannot be treated as religious works. In Dr. Thilochan Singh's words, they are tales of sin and sorrow, pathos and bathos, Romance and heroism, generosity and liberality, benevolence and beneficence, love and lust, wit and wisdom. According to D.P. Ashta, the aim of these works seems to be ethical to raise the moral standards of the readers by examples both good and bad, 
which may inspire them to a nobler conduct or warn them against the wiles of the perverse and the unscrupulous. Dr. Mohan Singh Divana, in his work, The History of Punjabi Literature, refers to this work as an encyclopedia of almost all Punjabi, non-Punjabi, Indian, and non-Indian tales known to medieval India. The stories cover a lot of ground and can be placed in three broad groups, stories of brave deeds in war, stories of honor and self-sacrifice, and amorous tales. Dr. Ashta points to multiple sources for these stories, such as the epics Ramayana and Mahabharata, Puranic literature, the Panchatantra, the Hitopadesh, as well as Persian works such as Bago Bahar or Char Darvesh, popular Punjabi romances such as He Ranja, Soni Maival, and Sasi Punnu also appear. Both Dr. Ashta and Dr. Divana agree on the literary merits of the work. According to Dr. Divana, the narration is brief and rapid, the phraseology apt and pregnant, the style impassioned, elaborate, or sententious. Dr. Ashta goes further. There seems to be much skill in the coordination of the various parts, the singleness of aim and the singleness of effect. Both great essentials of a good short story have been maintained. Plots are spun in a realistic way. Characters are beautifully sketched and proper care has been taken to give local color through descriptive passages. The whole evolvement is therefore masterly. There is hardly any aspect of human life that has not been touched upon in the narration of these tales. All the stages in the drama of life are portrayed with its characteristics, eccentricities, and vicissitudes. As an interesting side note, when I was doing my research for this episode, I was a little startled to find that the very familiar Bainti Chopai, which is an integral part of the Nith name or the daily regimen of prayer for a Sikh, comes from the last tale in the Charitra Bakyan. this survey of the different parts of the Dasam Granth, it would be appropriate to delve into its history and its place in the modern Sikh world. According to popular tradition, the Dasam Granth was compiled by Pai Mani Singh in 1716. Four ancient copies of the work survived and were extensively studied by scholars before the modern version of the Dasam Granth was created. The first one is popularly known as the Pai Mani Singh Wali Bir, which we have encountered in the previous episode. This recension contains both the Guru Granth Sahib and the Dasam Granth, and the contents are arranged by author. The second copy, known as Moti Bag Wali Bir, was kept at the Moti Bag Gurdwara in Patiala and later sent to the Sikh Reference Library in Amritsar. It was most likely destroyed in 1984. The third copy, known as the Sangroorwali Beard, also included both the Guru Granth Sahib and the Dasam Granth. 
The fourth copy known as the Patnevali Beer was kept at the Gurdwara Janamasthan, Patna Sahib. The various recensions had a lot of common material, but there were also differences both in content and arrangement. In 1897, the Gurmat Prachar Sabha Amritsar created the modern version of the Dasam Granth after studying 32 old recensions. The finalized Dasam Granth has 1,428 pages. During Pai Mani Singh's lifetime, several prominent Sikhs, including Pai Binod Singh, Baba Gurbak Singh, and Baba Sukha Singh, made copies of the Granth. Pai Binod Singh, a descendant of Guru Angad, was one of Guru Gobind Singh's prominent Sikhs. His handwritten copy was passed down to his descendants and was presented to the court of Maharaja Ranjit Singh. The copy survived and was studied by Dr. Trilochan Singh, among other scholars. Max Arthur McAuliffe shares an interesting story in Volume 5 of the Sikh religion. According to him, after Pai Mani Singh's execution, the Granth was taken to Damdama Sahib for examination, where sections of the Granth aroused great controversy. It was apparent that the Granth contained both religious writings such as the Jap Sahib and the Akalustat, as well as secular works such as the Triya Charitra Pakhyan. Some scholars were of the opinion that all the writings should be kept together in one volume, while others were of the opinion that the religious and the secular work should be separated. The debate lingered and consensus could not be reached. The year was 1734. Right around that time, the infamous Masarangar, the deputy of Nawab Zakriya Khan, the Mughal governor of Lahore, had occupied and desecrated the Sri Harmandar Sahib, prompting Sukhdev Singh and Mehtab Singh to undertake a mission to punish him. It is said that Mehtab Singh swore that if he defeated and killed Masarangar, Pai Mani Singh's grunt would be left as he had arranged it. If, on the other hand, he perished at the hands of Masarangar, the grunt would be rearranged per the wishes of those who objected to the inclusion of sections such as the Hikayats and the Triya Charitrapakhyan. As it turned out, Mehtab Singh succeeded in his mission and returned triumphant with Masarangar's head on his lance and the Pai Mani Singh Granth and Pai Mani Singh's Granth was allowed to remain as he had assembled it. I find it interesting that the controversy around the contents of the Dasam Granth that arose right after its compilation has stayed with us until the present day. In modern times, a controversy has emerged over the authorship of the Dasam Granth. The vast majority of scholars in both the 19th and 20th century are of the opinion that the entire Dasam Granth was written by Guru Gobind Singh. These include Gyanidit Singh, a leading light of the reformist Singh Sabha movement, Pai Veer Singh, Principal Teja Singh, Professor Saib Singh, Pai Randir Singh, Sadar Kapoor Singh, Dr. Taran Singh, Professor Pyara Singh Padam, Pandit Tara Singh Narottam, Dr. Tilochan Singh, and many others. Mukhalif, as well as scholars such as Dr. G.C. Narang, Dr. Mohan Singh Divanna, and Dr. Indubhushan Banerjee, are of the opinion that some of the works in the Dasam Granth were authored by Guru Gobind Singh and others were written by several of his court poets. However, 
I would like to note that by far the best scholarly case for Guru Gobind Singh being the author of the entire Dasam Granth has been made by Dr. D.P. Ashta in the poetry of the Dasam Granth. Chapter 1 of his book is titled Authorship of the Dasam Granth, in which Dr. Ashta presents external, internal, as well as textual and stylistic evidence to make his argument. In the conclusion of the chapter, Dr. Ashta says, The external evidence, the internal one together, with that of a matchless style, with a vigorous uniformity of its own, when fully weighed and considered, leads one to the conclusion that the whole of the Dasam Granth, with all of its parts without exception, is the work of one poet alone, and that poet is none other than Guru Gobind Singh. He was a versatile genius, a warrior, a saint, a poet, gifted with a sense of humor and a love of drama. He was himself the greatest actor of his time on the stage of the Punjab. In every line of each of the works of the Dasam Granth, there is the characteristic ring of his voice, the characteristic touch of his hand, and every word bears the characteristic impress of his mind. I will not spend a lot of time on the scholarly research and authorship, but will focus instead on emotional arguments and counter-arguments. While there have always been Sikhs who quietly questioned whether Guru Gobind Singh was the author of all the contents of the Dasam Granth or not, the debate started to get heated a couple of decades ago when a few individuals started presenting the following arguments very energetically. The Dasam Granth has many references to gods and goddesses from the Hindu pantheon who are often glorified in various tales. This is at odds with the clearly articulated concept of the one divine being in Sikhism. Sections of the Dasam Granth can be seen to imply that Guru Gobind Singh was a worshipper of the goddess Durga, since Guru Gobind Singh was unequivocally animated by the spirit of the Gurus before him, this is unacceptable. The contents of some of the Dasam Granth, particularly the Triya Charitra Pakhyan, are lewd and lascivious. It is impossible that someone as enlightened as Guru Gobind Singh could ever write such things or endorse their being part of a sacred Sikh text. So what's the truth? Was Guru Gobind Singh unequivocally the author of the entire Dasam Granth? My answer to this is twofold. Firstly, we will never know. And it does not matter. Why do I say this? The Dasam Granth is not accorded the same status as the Guru Granth Sahib and never will be. It is counterproductive to engage in a never-ending debate based on false equivalence, in my view, it should be regarded as an extremely valuable literary masterpiece which is an enduring testament to the genius of Guru Gobind Singh. Whether Guru Gobind Singh wrote every word in the Dasam Granth himself or not is immaterial. It can unequivocally be said that it was a product of his court and he was its inspiration. It is not scripture, but it cannot be denied that it is Sikh literature. There is largely consensus that the translations from Hindu mythology into Braj Bhasha were made 
to make them accessible to the common man, as the originals in Sanskrit were very much the preserve of Brahmin scholars, the canard about Guru Gobind Singh worshipping Durga has also been debunked very effectively by multiple scholars. Once again, the whole purpose of translating the Chandi Charitra was to bring the battle between good and evil in focus and inspire a beaten-down populace with tales of valor. The much-maligned stories of the Triya Charitrapakhyan should never be confused with religious literature. They are secular, and their value is literary. They are nothing but a compendium of fables designed to illustrate the foibles of human behavior. If we view them in this light, there is nothing to get apoplectic about. To me, this is a fatuous debate, for there is a lot in the Dasam Granth to unequivocally embrace and celebrate. Can anyone take the glorious Japsab away from the Sikh Panth? Will Sikhs ever stop reciting the Sivayye? Can anyone dare to stop the recitation of the Benti Chopi because it comes from the Triya Charitra Pakhyan? Will the first section of the Ardas be dropped? because it was taken from Varsri Pagotiki? Will we stop singing the magnificent of the sword of Dharma, articulated in the dazzling Of course not. These questions are but rhetorical. Our lives as Sikhs are enriched in innumerable ways by the Dasam Granth. I personally can only express awe at its richness and its magnificence. The Story of the Six is written and narrated by Subpreet Singh, author of the poem Kultar's Mime, which was adapted for the stage and tells the story of the massacre of the Six in Delhi in 1984. His second book, The Camel Merchant of Philadelphia, set in the court of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, was recently published. Both are available on Amazon. The Story of the Six is produced by Almast Media. Our theme music is a rendition of a traditional Sikh hymn by the late Bai Avtar Singh. This episode features a rendition of Raga Yaman on Mandolin by the young maestro Gagandeep Singh, accompanied by the brilliant Jasmeet Singh Chana on tabla. The performance was recorded live at Sarpreet Singh's home during one of the many Boston Darbars organized by the Gurmat Sangeet Project. Musically, this is one of our richest episodes, featuring many of Sarpreet Singh's favorite recordings of hymns from the Dasam Granth. Featured are Surinder Singh and Tejpal Singh, also known as the Singh Bandhu, Bai Surjit Singh, Bai Baljit Singh, Ustad Mohan Singh, Gurmit Singh Shant, Bai Dharm Singh Zakmi, and Gunit Kaur. Season 2 of Story of the Six is sponsored by the Chardi Kala Foundation, the Sawney Family Foundation, and Manpreet Kaur and Ishdeep Singh. I'm co-producer and audio engineer Erica Wong. In the next episode of The Story of the Six, 
Guru Gobind Singh completes his divine mission by creating the Khalsa. At a gathering in Anandpur on the momentous Vaisakhi of 1699, the vision of Guru Nanak is fully realized, as Guru Gobind Singh puts a final seal on the egalitarian faith that was created by the first Guru. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.